Welcome this morning, and uh, especially those of you who are visiting with us, trust that you will enjoy your time, and if we can be of any help or encouragement to you, please, uh, we're here and want to serve you as a body in any way we can. Be sure to stop by the Welcome Center on the way out for that gift that Scott talked about. We'd love to share with you, encourage you in, in, all, the, in all that we can. Um, so what do deacons do? It's an age-old question. It really is. And uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding. In fact, for many believers in churches all across America, the answer to that question will vary depending on who you ask. Actually, depending on your geographical location. That has a lot to do with people's understanding of uh, what deacons do. Some would say, well, deacons care for the church's facilities. Um, they're the governing board of the church. They lead the church's ministry teams. They serve the Lord's Supper. They distribute money to need, needy families. They listen to the concerns of the people. They hold the pastors accountable, etc., 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 with all those ideas, how in the world do we know what deacons are really supposed to do? Not that any of the things I mentioned are, are those things that they shouldn't. Some are. But how do we know? Well, we have to first understand, I believe, what the Bible has to say about who they are. Not by name, but by character by God-given qualities of life and uh, qualities of life that have to be developed and worked on. And I think it's important that we understand what Scripture says about who deacons are. What must be true of a man who qualifies to be a deacon? And we're going to look at that this morning. Please open your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 8 to 13. You see, the Bible is clear. Doing God's church God's way. That's been our theme for 1 Timothy. And uh, we're winding down, uh, finishing up with chapter 3, and, and then we're going to be into the Thanksgiving and holiday season, that time of the year. But... The Bible is clear that if we are going to do God's church, God's way, it means that we must, we must have qualified deacons who will serve the church by assisting the pastors. That's what our Constitution says. More importantly, it's what the Bible says. And as we look at that this morning, I trust that you will gain an understanding of what it is that God's word tells us must be true of a deacon if he's to be qualified to serve in that capacity in the local church. One writer says it this way, there must be something very significant about the deacon's ministry that requires both specific elder-like qualifications and verification of such qualifications by the church and its leaders. 
Not just anyone can be a deacon. Now, the word means to serve. All of us, men, women, children, no matter what our age, all of us who know Jesus have a responsibility to be servants. Whether you have the position of deacon or elder or pastor or any other position, we who know Jesus are responsible to serve, to be about the business of serving one another, of ministering. And God has gifted each of us who know Jesus a God-given special ability to serve. Each of us as believers have that, have at least one. Now, that, I, that's another whole message as it relates to how God has gifted. But, but it is critical that we understand we're all called to serve God, period. And there's so many different ways. But we're talking this morning about men who have been set apart in a way. Very significant way to serve God as a deacon. And I want to share what it ought to be true of that deacon if, if he is qualified to do that. So I want you to know this morning who a deacon is and why it matters. Who a deacon is and why it matters. That's real simple. But we sometimes miss that and don't understand because we base what we think about deacons on a lot of our own ideas and traditions or the way we've seen it done somewhere or here for years. And and I'm not preaching anything new or different because our Constitution does identify it real clearly. Deacons are to serve the church by assisting the pastors. That's pretty clear, simple, and plain. But that's what Scripture says. And if we're, as we go through this this morning, I'd like just for you to follow along, and I'm going to read verses 8 to 13, and then we're going to dive in. Who a deacon is and why it matters. Here's what the Bible says about the requirements for deacons. Verse 8, 1 Timothy 3. And by the way, if you need a Bible, you don't have your phone or tablet or your own Bible underneath the chair in front of you, there should be a Bible there for you. Uh, Page 830, and uh, you pick that up. In the same way, verse 8, in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience, They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain and excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 1, if you go back a few verses, you'll remember when we talked about the qualifications, the, the requirements, the character of the overseer, who, as we've been talking, is the pastor, the elder, one of the leaders that God has placed 
over the local church. And so here in chapter 3, verse 1, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer. You may have a translation that reads bishop. It's, it's all the same thing. Elder, the same one. It's not the word used here, but certainly those words are interchangeable. Pastor, shepherd is the term that we would know most often here at Heritage. But it says, this is a trustworthy saying, Paul says to Timothy, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be, and he lists off the qualifications, the uh, characteristics that ought to be true of a pastor. We get down to verse 8. In the same way, likewise, similarly, here are a list of qualifications for what a deacon ought to be. Deacons are to be. And he begins to spell out not what they do, not a job description, but character qualities that must be true. We call characteristics, we call character things that ought to be characteristic, not just once in a while, but characteristic of that individual. And that's what Paul lays out for Timothy to teach the church at Ephesus. And I believe that's one of those, as, uh, as I've read uh, Gene Getz calls supracultural. Goes beyond just the culture of the first century church that is applicable to us today in 2019. It goes beyond cultures. There's a big deal today. A lot of stuff going on about the Bible is a cultural book. That's true. But some would like to say that there's so much of it that only applies to when it was written. And, and, and by the time it's all said and done, some of these guys are like, man, I'm not sure what is good for us today. Well, God's word is profitable for us all the time, folks. And we need to understand what it says within the culture to the people that it was given and how that applies to us today in our culture. This is one of those passages that absolutely applies to us today, specifically to deacons. So deacons are to be, first of all, they should be. Their character ought to exude worthy of respect. Men of dignity. Now we think of men of dignity and, 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 and if you think back in history, we think of somebody like a Winston Churchill, you know, always dressed up and had that voice and talked and, and everything. And, and we would think dignity. Well, of course, the more you got to know, if you ever read about him, it wasn't always dignity. But we, we tend to think that's it. But that's not the word here. That's not what's involved. The idea involved is men of honest report. They are esteemed because of their behavior. They live with purpose. There's a winsome attractiveness to them. There's something engaging, something very positive. We may say charming about that individual. The ability to, to, to serve and to, to practice and live out the truth of the Word of God. To be, to be one who, who just very clearly says, I know Jesus and I'm going to live and I'm going to serve my life. But worthy of respect. Sincere, that's... 
That word doesn't mean typically what you and I would think of it today because the idea of that word means really not double-tongued. Not saying one thing to one person and then turning around and giving a different view of that same statement to somebody else. That's double-tongued. We say one thing to one person and say another thing to another thing. There's another word, another person, there's another word for that. It's called hypocritical. Speaking out of both sides of our mouth. But that's the word sincere, that we are not that way, that we are not insincere in our speech, that we are not two-faced, but that we are full of integrity. A deacon is to be full of integrity. Folks, and I got to say this at least as we go through here, because there's not one qualification for deacon or elder that's listed in these 13 verses of 1 Timothy 3 that ought not to be true of all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior all the time. And if we started going through Scripture, we'd find those same characteristics that ought to be true of us as individual believers before God. It's critical that we understand that. But as we talk about that being said, well, then why is he setting apart deacons and talking about them that way? Because deacons are part of God's plan for the ministry of the local church in a significant way, or they wouldn't be spelled out this way here. So sincere, a man of integrity, not indulging in much wine, not addicted. Paul is saying this would forbid the love of alcohol for that individual. And I, I talked last week about that, so I'm not going to spend more time in that because that's not the point of what we want to talk about this morning. But I came across a statement and thought as I read through, it was really a great thought. And, and in a day and age in which alcoholism is just a serious problem throughout the United States, Almost 7% of our population, adult population in America, are alcoholics. The amount of money that our country spends on individuals who are alcohol, alcoholics is, is amazing. But I came across this, total abstinence today from alcohol would guard the deacon from the clutches of intoxicants. It would provide a credible witness to a society that needs help in combating alcoholism. Now, I, I'm not talking to you about you. I, I said last week the same thing would be true here. You've got to study Scripture. Don't just say, well, I have liberty in Christ. I can do whatever I want, and that's part of it. And, and you've not even studied Scripture. Well, all Scripture says is don't get drunk. Well, do you know that really? Study the scriptures, folks. That's my encouragement to you. As your pastor, I'm telling you, study the scriptures. Know what God's word says before you just assume. There's a lot that God says. But here's my point. Romans 14, 21 talks about we ought to be willing to lay aside anything. I used to talk about that as it relates to Christian liberty. Hey, you know what? If my eating an apple was going to be offensive to somebody, I'd stop eating apples. Why? Because we don't want to be offensive to a brother or sister in Christ. Say, well, how far do you go with that? I mean, that could get a little ridiculous. Well, you have to figure that out. But when we know the problem that our country has today combating alcoholism, 
to think that through would be a wise thing. Not pursuing dishonest gain. Shamefully greedy. The idea would be so desiring wealth that it brings shame and disgrace to an individual. Remember when one of the qualifications for a pastor was lover of money, not be a lover of money because the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself, not the possession of money, the love of money. When we set that up as it controls us, it brings shame and disgrace. We're talking about the use of a spiritual position for material benefit. The use of a, mater- of a spiritual position for material benefit. Paul is saying if you are a deacon, don't use that spiritual position that God has given you to gain material benefit. That might indicate to us that part of what deacons do in serving the church is have something to do with working with the finances. We do that here at Heritage. We've got a number of committees. One of them is the finance committee. And we make sure that on the finance committee, we have at least one deacon. We actually have two or three. Because dishonest gain, money, can grab hold of us. What, what, what do you mean? What, you know what? As the chaplain here of Clark Summit Police Department, I got a parking pass. When I started and I'd come to the station to go out on a ride along or we'd have meetings or get called there for some other in, and uh, I, I'm, I don't know where to park and, and so I said something to the chief and, and he gave me a parking pass that i just stick in my dashboard or on the, the up front of the car and just leave it there and, and I won't get a ticket. And then he says to me, now listen, You only use this when you're doing police business. Don't be riding all over town and parking wherever you want and putting that up in uh, the front of your window there so so you get the park free every... Yeah, see, that would be using my spiritual position for material benefit. And that's what Paul says deacons ought not to do. And neither should I. (laughs) But not pursuing dishonest gain... And it might not even be illegal or dishonest, but we could find a way to use it that way. Verse 9, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. What that's saying, a deacon ought to be a man of conviction who, number one, knows what he believes. Right here, the Word of God. What do you believe? Do you know the truth of Scripture? You know, it's important if you're going to serve as a deacon, that you know the Word of God. That you understand what we as a church, we have a statement of faith at Heritage Baptist Church that that states what we believe is true of the Word of God. It's not our own interpretation, it's what we believe to be what the Bible teaches. And it's important that if you're going to serve as a deacon, that you know Scripture, that you understand that. And here's another opportunity. I have to say that every one of us who knows Jesus better know what the Scriptures teach. You see, this day and age in which we live in local churches all across our country, people are biblically illiterate. Say, well, I never went to Bible college, or I never went to a Christian college, or I never went to seminary. That doesn't mean we can't know and learn Scripture. 
We must know what the Bible teaches. We must believe and understand these truths. But then we need to live them out. We need to do what we know to be true. So we must know and live the truth. A deacon must have conviction, understand the deep truths of the faith. That's the word of God. That has to do really specifically here with the good news of Jesus. It has everything to do with holding firm to the gospel of Jesus Christ without wavering. And then living out that truth in our lives. Now, it's interesting that Paul earlier in the verses 1 to 7 talked about the importance that, that a pastor, an overseer, an elder must be able to teach. He's got to be able to know the word and communicate it. Teach the truths of the word of God in an effective way. That ought to be true of a pastor. He doesn't say that for the deacons. He says they need to hold the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Live it out. And it's very interesting. Probably one of the main differences between a pastor and a deacon, as Paul lays out for us in 1 Timothy 3, is having to do with the ability to teach the Word of God or simply know it and understand it and live it out. And that's the difference between the pastor and the deacon. Not that the deacon can't be a teacher. Doesn't mean that if, that if you're a deacon that you can't teach. And that's not what being able to teach means in Scripture. That must be true of a man who's going to be a pastor. Got to be able to teach the Word of God. A deacon has to know it, has to understand it. Hey, if he has God given him the gift of teaching, the God-given spiritual ability to teach, then great. We've had deacons at Heritage for years that can teach the Scriptures. But it is not a necessary qualification for a deacon to be able to teach the Word of God. So if any of you men who've been asked to be deacons over the years feel like, oh, I just can't be a deacon because I, I can't teach, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> you don't have to be able to teach. You do have to know the Scriptures, and it has to be truly lived out in your life, and that's where with a clear conscience comes in. Conscience, that part of us that knows truth and distinguishes between right and wrong. That means that the conduct and behavior of a deacon must be consistent with what we believe. We don't just say, I believe this to be true, but our conduct, our behavior must be consistent. It must match up. It must align with what we believe. It can't just be something we have up here in our heads. It must be something that we live out in our lives every day. Verse 10, they must first be tested. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. First tested to prove an individual, to see if those qualifications and characteristics are there, to examine critically not just a, a brief surface perusal or understanding, but really to dig in whether there is a genuine faith and a genuine life lived out if they are qualified. The idea is testing over time. It's not just that we say, okay, here's a bunch of questions for deacons and put it all out on the test and sit down. Okay, if you pass the test, good. Uh, you write it out and fill it in. You're great, but no, this is a test of time, over time. 
as people have had opportunity to observe you. Now, there's no time factor that's identified for us here. They said, Paul says about the pastor, he can't be a new convert, a recent convert, but that's not said about a deacon. But there must be time that's gone by to prove, as people have had opportunity to observe the life of a deacon, that their belief and their practice line up. Now, we do with our nominating committee, we interview. We've been doing that for the last three or four years. Any individual that we talk about is we're going to look at an individual to become a deacon, been, been nominated, or we want to put them up for that, then we have a little interview, and these are the kinds of things we talk through. And that's why we have the church affirm. And we'll do that the second Sunday of December this year, or third. The 15th of December is when we'll have our vote for the budget and to affirm the, the choice of deacons from the nominating committee. And so that's the, the proving, the testing and proving. Folks, being a deacon, and I've heard this over the years, well, uh, I'll nominate this individual, which, by the way, as members, all of you should have gotten a letter in your box that asks you to suggest, to pray, to think about, to read through the scriptures, to read through the Constitution, to understand what it, what it means to be a deacon in heritage. And then, and then nominate, suggest. And as we say... Not every name that's suggested will, will be considered. I mean, they'll be considered, but that doesn't mean that their name will end up on the ballot. That's why we have a nominating committee, as the Constitution calls for. And you can read through, script, read through the Constitution to find out. Some people think, though, I'm going to nominate. Why? Because he's a nice guy. Well, nice guy isn't listed in verses 8 to 13. Uh, well, because he's a long-time member here at Heritage. Well, that's not listed there either. Um, that, uh, oh, he's here every Sunday. Hardly misses. Well, that's also not listed. You see, we need to understand that God lays out for us the qualifications of a man to be a deacon. And it's basically about serving. Selfless, humble, Christ-like service. A deacon is one who looks for opportunities to serve. If you're going to look at somebody to nominate them, you, you ought to be looking at somebody who's involved somewhere regularly. Not just in one little thing, one ministry. Not that that doesn't matter. That's great. But, but you see... Scripturally, I believe a deacon who is a person who loves to serve, who is serving, maybe who just looks for opportunities to serve. I, I saw this statement in my study this week. They should be deacons before they are named deacons. That's pretty good. They should be deacons before they are named deacons, and that's what needs to be true. And so they're tested then if nothing is found against them. It's, it's the same idea as it was with the pastor or the overseer. That, the, that there's nothing you could lay hold of in that pastor's life that would, that would be a problem. That would cause uh, mudslinging at, at, at that individual as the pastor or at that church or more importantly the name of Christ. Blameless, unaccusable. The word here 
deacons, they can't call in, can't be called to account is the word. You ever been called to the principal's office? Have you ever been called to your boss's office? You know, that's kind of everybody goes, ooh, what'd you do? Well, see, that's what saying. That wouldn't be said about a man who's qualified to be a deacon. Unaccusable. Now, verse 11 presents some different things. We're not going to dig into that this, this morning very deeply. But verse 11, in the same way, and the translation that we have here that we put up before you is the, the NIV, New International Version. And they translate, as you can see, the women are to be. The women are to be. And then it goes on. I have to tell you, I've studied that this last week or two like I've never really studied it before. And, and it is a difficult thing to come up with. What does Paul mean? And, and I don't have an answer for you. Smarter guys than me have studied it over the year. I'm going to tell you later on where I, I'll tell you now. I do lean that I believe it's the wife of a deacon. But some believe that it is a woman who serves as a deacon. And I've gone through all of the arguments that I could find and read and study and looking at what, what this word means and what that word means, and I tend to more believe. I, I'm open to be taught and learned by the Spirit of God and anybody else who has the inside track on information. But I've landed, and I believe it's the, the wife of a deacon that Paul is now talking to in verse 11. I know some churches have deaconesses or women deacons. And, and I, I would say to you, from my understanding of Scripture, I would be good with that if that's where, you know, w w we would land. But, but I tend to believe it has more to do for a lot of reasons, and we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks, but it has to do more with the wife of a deacon. Either way, whether it's a woman who would qualify as a deacon or the wife of a deacon, there are four qualifications that are listed there for the deacon's wife or a woman, and it's number one, worthy of respect. And that was the same thing that's stated for the men as deacons. Dignified. Behavior is the issue at hand here. Worthy of respect. This second one, this is serious stuff here. Not malicious talkers. Whether that's a deacon's wife or a woman who's going to serve as a deacon, not to be a gossip, not characterized by attacking the reputation of others. Can I just say to you folks that you know that this applies to every one of us who know Jesus. But this, this happens all the time. We don't, I don't rank the things, Paul or I don't rank the, the sins that we hear coming through and floating up to the top. But I'll tell you what, the way people talk, the way believers talk about other believers, whew, the stuff that floats up to us, now it doesn't mean it's all true, right? But when we hear it, when you hear it, you have a responsibility to face it and stop it. You know why? Because this word here is diabolos. Diabolical, 
It's the word that's used for the name of the devil. It's the word slanderer or accuser. It is used 34 times in the New Testament to refer to Satan or the devil. It was used of Judas Iscariot who has, in his opposition to God, acted the part of the devil. I believe the only time in the New Testament that a human being was called the devil. You might talk about that. It's a different word than what Jesus said to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. But what we know is this is serious stuff. And when God's people, whether you're going to be a pastor or a deacon or a deacon's wife or a woman deacon, God's people, all of us, have a responsibility not to be malicious talkers, slanderers, accusers. That is serious, serious stuff because it will ruin a church. And it will ruin the testimony of the name of Jesus Christ when it's done in front of people who don't know Jesus. I could say a lot more about that, but we got to move on. But temperate, well-balanced, the ability to make good judgment, control and behavior, trustworthy in everything, absolutely reliable and faithful. Same kind of thing as an elder there. Verse 12, a deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and household well. This was also said of the pastor, of the overseer. And, that, and that's the same thing. The idea is commitment and faithfulness in marriage. That ought to be true of a pastor, faithful and committed, pure in his relationship with his wife. It's also true of a deacon. Faithful and committed to his wife, pure in his relationship with his wife. That's what's involved there. And, and then he talks too about managing his children and household well. There's a big difference between here what Paul says to the deacon and what he says to the pastor. The one thing he doesn't say to the deacon is that as he cares for the church. Because the responsibility of the overseer, of the pastor to shepherd the flock. We know that's, that's the caring. Doesn't mean that a deacon or a deacon's wife would never care for God's people. Sure they would, but that's not the word that's listed here. It has to do with the ability to manage his household well. A deacon cannot be one thing in church and another thing at home. That's what we're talking about here. Deacons must be like Jesus. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Let people see your faith in Jesus Christ, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let there be a holding to the deep truths of our faith and what we believe that lines up with the way we live our lives. Let your light so shine before people everywhere that as a result of observing you, they see your life. They see Jesus. They see the good works that you do, not for salvation, but because of your salvation. And as a result, say, man, I want to know about his God. 
That's Matthew 5, 16, which ought to be true of all of us, but certainly of a deacon. And then you have God's rewards for deacons. Of all the years I've studied through 1 Timothy 3 about what God says a deacon is, I've never seen this. I didn't see it like that. Oh, I read through those verses, but I never thought about God rewarding deacons who serve well. But it's here. It's here. Verse 13, those who have served well gain. Number one, an excellent standing. Number two, great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Those who have served in the right way. Those who have served commendably. Those who have had the character that Paul lists here and lived it out and served in the right way as declared in Scripture. Number one, they'll be rewarded with an excellent standing, a good reputation, a standing of respect before the church for a job well done. It's like it's obvious when a person is they serve well as a deacon that we as the body of believers that we call heritage look at that individual and go, wow, what a servant. What a, wow. There's a guy who loves Jesus. Humble. Sacrificial. Like Jesus. Willing to do whatever needs to be done. No matter what the, 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 the opportunity is. I'll do it. And as a result, people looking, there's an excellent standing. Man. This isn't about pride. This isn't about, you know, man's reward and praise. But that's what God says. He will gain an excellent standing I believe before God's people secondly he will gain great assurance in his faith in Christ Jesus and increased confidence progress and boldness in his faith in Christ as he serves with the right motivation he builds confidence in his own faith in Christ he grows in his understanding and his ability to depend upon God. Have you ever stepped out in faith and maybe you can remember when you, when you were a new believer or the first time you really said, I'm going I'm I'm to trust God for this and I'm just going to step out and believe God to do this. And, and there's a little hesitation, maybe a little nervousness, maybe a little bit of fear, maybe wondering, will God really come through? And then God comes through and you go, yes. Woohoo! And then you're willing to do it again. And you know what? You're more willing to trust again. Why? Because you saw God do something. You saw God answer prayer. You saw God honor your faith as you stepped out. And what we have here, uh, a deacon who serves well gains a great assurance, progresses in boldness in his faith in Christ, and becomes more confident in his own belief and in his own confidence in God and in Jesus Christ for what he can do. A deacon who serves well will gain encouragement from the church in their serving and a growing confidence in the exercise of his faith, growth and maturity. Folks, do you know you won't grow or mature in your walk with God if you're not serving? 
You can, you can memorize the Bible. You can know everything there is to know about the Bible. And if you're not serving, you don't know it. And if you're not serving, I don't care how much you know, you are not mature. That's what Scripture says. And it's critical that we grow in that regard. And that's the reward that God promises for a deacon who serves well. Man, how about that, guys? Does that motivate you a little bit to want to be a deacon? It ought to. I have to say this as we close. We cannot do God's church God's way without deacons. Did, did you hear that? We cannot do God's church God's way without deacons. So let me leave you with two thoughts. Men, if you're here today as a man and you know Jesus, let me, let, let me ask you simply, are you qualified? Are these characteristics true of you? If they are, are you willing to serve? If this is true of you, if these things characterize your life and others see it and over time have, have said some, if this is true, are you willing to serve? And that brings me again, I already mentioned our nominating committee. Folks, if, if you see somebody like this, and, and, and I don't want to be, I, don't take this, I just want to help you. When we sometimes get names of individuals that are turned in, and I want to, it's like, wait a minute, did you read 1 Timothy 3? Did you understand what's listed here? That's critical, folks. I, please, uh, that's not, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative or critical of anybody who's turned in names, but please read and pray because that's why we have the Bible to use, to give us direction. But I have to say this too, men. Sometimes asking men to serve as deacon is like pulling teeth or worse. And so I hope this morning that, that you men have learned from Scripture here or at least gotten an idea that you can read back through to say, hey, here's, here's what I, I... I thought I needed to be this one. This is what Scripture says I need to be. I can do that. Are you willing to? Are you willing to serve? Because we as a church, a local church, must have deacons. Scripture says that we need men who are qualified and willing to serve. Now, maybe you say, well, I think I'm qualified. And my question to you would be, where are you serving? Are you serving? Why not? Then get busy. You say, I'm not sure where. Hey, Michelle's sitting right over here. You come see her, or you call her in the office, and you say, can I talk to Glenn about serving somewhere? I will clear my calendar because it's that important. And then secondly, our church family needs deacons. On our men's retreat, there were a number of guys who shared things that, you know, 
we don't know always what's going on in somebody's life or home or family, but all of us are needy people, right? In one way or another. And one of the things that deacons can do is serve one another. And it is critical. We need deacons. The church family needs you men to be willing to step up and say, I'm not sure if I'm qualified, but I'm certainly willing. And I look at these qualities, these characteristics, and I think they are in my life. And I'll say, great. Hey, but here's the, somebody, somebody should observe that. We'd be glad, Pastor Paul and I, to talk with you about that. But, but w what's important is to understand we need, as a church, qualified men who are willing to serve because it benefits the church. Because if we don't have people in that place, you know what happens? Part of the necessary ministry to our people won't happen. You ever think about that? Yeah, if we don't have deacons, then we won't have people ministering to one another and part of the ministry that you may need won't take place. That's what it's about. And we're going to step up the ministry of deacons at Heritage Baptist Church because it's about serving and we can't have enough qualified servants. It's not about a board of governing authority. That is not what deacons do. It's serving. That's what deacons do. We're going to talk more in a couple of weeks about the specifics of some of those things. We, we've had some of our men who have really gone out after. Matt, you, had, you and Cindy had a deacon and his wife chasing you down all the time when you're in the hospital. Phone call after phone call after email after, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's about. We need men who are willing to step up and serve if they're qualified. You know what? The pastors, Paul and I, need you men as deacons. And our people need you, men, as deacons. I want you men to think and pray about that because God says in Scripture that it is a significant ministry. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be spelled out for us. This is the only place in Scripture that it's spelled out, the qualifications for deacons. We need men who are willing to serve. That's what it is. Serve. And I trust that God will stir your heart to question whether you are qualified. And maybe you're not, maybe you, but you could be. And whatever may be missing or not obvious, Begin to work on those things for the glory of God and the good of your pastors and more so of this body of believers. That's the value of deacons to Heritage Baptist Church.
Let me close in prayer. We'll just pass on that last song. Let's pray. Father, it is so important. You've given us direction. Father, we want to follow your plan. We want to follow what you've laid out for us for pastors and deacons. God, I pray that you would stir the hearts of our men. Lord, for those who are qualified, that they'd be willing, willing to give up time, willing to give up energy, willing to use all they have for you in that regard, selfless, Christ-like service. Not out of guilt, not out of my pressure, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit of God using the truth of the Word of God in their lives. And God, help us as a church, Lord, to encourage one another, our men, who are qualified to be willing to serve for the glory of God and the good of this church. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks and have a great week.